Welcome to the Prophetic Collective Podcast. My name is Stacey Hillier, and I'm so excited that you've decided to join me, some of my friends from all walks of life, as we chat about how the prophetic is purposed to build both the church and to break outside of her four walls into your world. We'll chat to prophetically minded people who will inspire you. They come from all walks of life, somebody for everyone to relate to. And each conversation has the purpose of equipping you to prophetically build and lead in the places and spaces that God has placed you. So let's go. Everybody and welcome back to this our final episode in the first ever season of the Prophetic Collective podcast. Thank you so much for coming on the journey with me. I've learned so much through doing this podcast and so grateful for each and every person who's subscribed and reviewed and shared on social media and done all the things. It's such a great blessing to me. Today, We're going to wrap up with a listener's choice. I have people message and say, please teach us about prophetic intercession. And it's going to be such a joy to do that with you today. So I want to start by making this statement. The place of greatest prophetic effectiveness is not a prophet on a platform, but a prophet on their knees. I know that's a confrontational statement. And that's why I'm going to say it again. (laughs) The place of greatest prophetic effectiveness is not a prophet on a platform but a prophet on their knees. This is not to say you cannot be powerful prophetically from a platform, but the authority and the power is not found on the platform, but in the time spent on our knees communing with our Father. If you see somebody who is operating in great authority prophetically on a microphone or in a church service or a visiting prophetic minister, you can be sure they have done a lot of time on their knees. Nations can be changed from our knees. And prophetic intercession puts us on the offensive in creating and framing up our world to reflect what is in God's heart. It is kingdom coming to earth through revelation from God to us, declared from us to God and manifested here on earth. So it's really important. A foundational concept is that the direction of the prophetic is from heaven to earth. The direction of prayer or intercession is earth to heaven. So when we put prophetic intercession together, what happens is the revelation comes from heaven to earth. And we've talked about this in other episodes. And then we pray God's heart back to him from earth to to heaven and we see God's kingdom come here on earth. So we know that prophecy is when we, a human vessel, receive a revelation from God and then report it here on earth. But what is intercession? Intercession is the act of intervening or mediating between different parties, particularly the act of praying to God on behalf of another person or people group. Now, there are several places that we see intercession in the Bible. Let me give you some example examples. Abraham interceded for Lot. 
in Genesis 18. Moses intervenes between God and Pharaoh in Exodus 8. Moses interceded for the Israelites when they built an idol in Exodus 32 to 34. We have the role of the priests. Their role was literally as an intercessor or an intermediary right throughout the Old Testament. Elijah acted as an intercessor for the widow in 1 Kings 17. Hezekiah, when he received the letter from, from Sennacherib in 2 Kings 19. An intercession in the Old Testament was an important part of the prophet's task. They would hear from God, present his revelation to the people, and take the people's reply back to God. And they were stoned if they didn't, uh, if that prophetic revelation didn't manifest on earth as they had declared. And I don't mean stoned in the good way, I mean like in the dead way. So some prophets who played this intercessory role are Amos, Jeremiah, Isaiah, Moses, and Nathan, just to name a few. Now in the New Testament, intercession is expected of all believers. In 1 Corinthians, in 1 Timothy, sorry, 1 Timothy 2 verses 1 to 3, we read, first of all then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that they may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Saviour. So here Paul is talking about, to Timothy, intercession, everyone stepping into it. Now, intercession for the sick was particularly important in the New Testament. You can read about that in James 5.14. And Paul in his letters constantly referred to his prayers or his intercession for the church and for the readers, the recipients of the letters. Now, Jesus is the supreme example of intercession. In Luke 22, 32, Jesus said, I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. In Luke 22, 34, Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He was interceding. In John 17, Jesus intercedes for us in what is known as the high priestly prayer. And the Bible reveals that the Holy Spirit, Christ, and Christians are to intercede for mankind. In Romans 8, 26 to 27, it says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is in the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So there we see the Spirit interceding. Romans 8.34 says, Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who is interceding for us. So this talks about Jesus at the right hand of God interceding for us. If you want to meditate on that for a moment, that is a very, it's a thought that brings a lot of peace to me sometimes when I'm like, you know, is any, does anyone care what's happening here with me? Jesus is interceding for me. Jesus is interceding for you. What about Hebrews 7.25? It says, consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. Jesus, our intercessor. So when we put prophecy and intercession together, we get this. Standing in the gap and praying on behalf of others, 
a situation or a location based on revelation received from heaven rather than mere earthly facts or information. Let me say that again. Prophetic intercession is standing in the gap and praying on behalf of others, a situation or a location based on revelation received from heaven rather than just earthly facts or information. When we pray for situations and things based on earthly facts, earthly reports or information, that's prayer and that's good and that is necessary and the Bible tells us to do that. It becomes prophetic intercession when we base our intercession based on revelation that we couldn't have gotten from anywhere else other than the Holy Spirit. So we first listen to what God is saying We first ask for revelation from heaven and then we pray. It's praying with the mind of Christ. In 1 Corinthians 2 verses 6 to 10, I'm going to read it to you because it's very important. It says, Among the mature we do impart wisdom, although it's not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. You see, through the Holy Spirit, we can access the wisdom and thoughts that exist in God's heart pertaining to a situation, location or person, and then declare that wisdom to see it come to pass in the earth. We've talked about this many times in the podcast, Acts 2.17. In the last days it shall be, God declares, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. Now this word prophesy here is the word prophetuo and it means to speak under divine inspiration to foretell events and to exercise prophetic office. And this is how we are told we shall prophesy and intercede prophetically under divine inspiration, foretelling events, having knowledge of them through the Holy Spirit well before there's any physical evidence of it or natural evidence, exercising prophetic intercession and literally changing the way our world looks by partnering with God until earth looks more and more like heaven. Prophetic intercession is an opportunity to not just react to the problems of the world, but to foresee them ahead of time and speak the solutions of God's heart given to us by revelation, effectively dismantling and in disempowering the enemy right in the middle of his stealing, killing and destroying before his plans materialize. So like Nehemiah, we work with both hands. With one hand, we are rebuilding that which has been stolen in the past, which is intercession. And in the other hand, we're frustrating every future plan of the enemy, which is prophetic intercession. Now, if you want to read a great book on prophetic intercession, I highly recommend, and I am leaning on here, the writings of Christy Johnson. Her book is called Releasing Prophetic Solutions. And she says this, rather than Satan's plans frustrating us, I believe it is time through prophetic intercession that we fully frustrate his plans. 
another great book on intercession. This was a life-changing book for me, actually, is by Benny Johnson. It's called The Happy Intercessor. And she discusses the concept of prophetic intercession, pushing, putting us on the offensive rather than being on the defensive. Now, she uses the analogy of American football, which I have absolutely no idea about. So let me just read from her book, The Happy Intercessor. For intercessors, it is extremely important to understand that God has already given us the ball. We are the offensive team. If we don't understand that, if we are not praying from a place of victory, we will be an intercessor whose prayer life is marked with defeat. You will be the one who's always trying to protect what God has given you from the devil's plans or worse yet, running after the devil and trying to figure out what he is doing. How wrong is that? If we do not understand God has already given us the ball, we will live in fear and pray from a place of lack. As intercessors, as the offensive team, our job is to take the land and not to run around after the enemy trying to steal the ball away from him. The devil lost the ball at Calvary. As intercessors, we must listen for the plays that the Lord is calling and pray them in so that the team can catch the ball and make the touchdown. Our job is not to spend all of our time worrying about the enemy's strategies. We're to make the plays that God calls. As an intercessor, your job is to find out what God wants to do, which is the opposite of what the enemy is saying. You don't allow the enemy to bring distraction. You have to make a choice not to partner with fear. This is how intercessors live an offensive lifestyle. They pray according to God's plans and they pray from a place of victory. Oswald Chambers says, we, or said, we tend to use prayer as a last resort, but God wants it to be our first line of defense. We pray when there's nothing else we can do, but God wants us to pray before we do anything at all. (laughs) I love that. Christy Johnson, again, in that brilliant book says, could the world we currently see with all of its problems be transformed through the creative power of God's spoken words pouring forth through the mouths of his sons and daughters? I hope that you are saying yes along with me right now. A simple way, a very simple way for us to activate this that I found uh, easy to apply In 2 Samuel 7.27, we read, For you, O Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, have made this revelation to your servant, saying, I will build you a house. Therefore, your servant has found courage to pray this prayer to you. Here, what's happening in this scripture is Nathan, the prophet, received a revelation from heaven about David's personal, King David's personal family and national future. He goes and delivers this revelation to David and David's response was he went straight to prayer and he used the prophetic word received from God through the prophet Nathan. And the word that we just read said that his prayers, King David's prayers grew in faith and his spirit grew with courage. What am I saying here? If you don't feel like you're hearing anything from God when you're interceding for a city or for a nation, go and find prophetic words that have been spoken through other prophetic ministries over your city. Go find old prophetic words spoken over your family, over your life. If you can't can't access that, go to the Word of God. It's full of prophetic promises over your life and begin to use those scriptures in your prayer life. How do you do it? 
get the prophetic words that have been spoken over you, search for them spoken over your city, type the word out. Underline any phrases that pertain to you or to the city that are promise-based and turn them into declarations. Then look for supporting scriptures and type them beside the declarations and then simply declare them out loud daily. Then watch your courage build as you step into prophetic intercession. This is similar to what King David did. He so valued the prophetic that came through Nathan the prophet that he went, you know what, I don't have to hear my own prophetic word. Even though David was called a prophet, he was a prophet, still he honored the role of Nathan in his life. He also had Gad the seer in his kind of prophetic team, but this time it was from Nathan. Nathan delivers a word to David. David goes straight to the temple and he turns the prophetic word. It says it gave him courage to pray big and bold prayers. And if you go to 2 Samuel 7, you actually read his prayer. He quotes the prophetic word directly and his courage grows as he prays. Your intercession will grow in courage when you take the prophetic turn it into declarations, get some scriptures alongside of it and declare it out loud daily. And you can do this with any prophetic word you've received personally over your city, over your nation, over your church and over your community. If you're Australian and you're listening to this right now, my friend Roma Waterman has recently put together a prophetic manifesto, which is words spoken in previous decades right up to now, 2021, spoken over Melbourne, spoken over Australia, spoken over different states. You can get it at romawaterman.com. Use some of the prophetic words in there, including the one about the great Southland of the Holy Spirit to build courage in your prayer life. Now, I am going to now talk about another practical way to try prophetic intercession. And it's ask, seek, and knock. Let's turn for a second in our Bibles to Matthew 7, and I'm going to read you Matthew 7 verses 7 to 8. I'm going to read from the ESV. So it says, and it's in red, so Jesus said it, ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Okay, let's apply this to prophetic intercession. Step one, ask the Holy Spirit simply to lay an issue, a person or a nation on your heart. This is the asking stage. In Psalm 46.10, we read, be still and know that I am God. So in this step, you're just stilling yourself enough to hear God's voice. We talked about in our last episode, he is speaking to you. So have a pen and your journal ready. Just be like, God, what are you saying right now to my city, to my nation, to my family, to my community, to my church? And then just have your journal ready and write down exact, just the first thing that comes to mind. He might say, I want you to pray for Kazakhstan today. I don't know. It could be anything. So then step two, once you've heard that whisper, is seek. So you've asked, now you're seeking. I like to call this gathering your puzzle pieces. I've quoted this scripture many times before. Proverbs 25.2 says, It's the glory of God to conceal things but the glory of kings is to search things out. So let's say he does put Kazakhstan on your heart. 
What can you find out about what's happening in Kazakhstan today? Look it up online. What's happening in the nation? Is there anything significant happening in the political system or the family system or in the courts right now? What could it be? Record the puzzle pieces and embrace the mystery. So step one is ask. Step two is seek and gather some puzzle pieces. And step three is to knock and keep on knocking. In this scripture that I read earlier of Matthew 7, the better way to grammatically phrase this would not be is to knock and keep on knocking. Ask and keep on asking, seek and keep on seeking, knock and keep on knocking. So form a prayer using the Holy Spirit's guidance and the puzzle pieces you have gathered to declare what is on God's heart. So let me go through those three steps again. Step one, let's say you've really feeling a burden for a couple of days for one of your kids. Go to the Holy Spirit. Step one, ask, Lord, I'm asking right now that you would speak to me on behalf of my son or daughter and name them before him. I believe you want to help me parent them well. I need prophetic insight. I thank you that I know your voice and that I hear your voice. I thank you for the spirit of wisdom and revelation. And then he might show you a picture. If you listen to our last episode, he might show you a picture. You might just have a sense of knowing. You might feel something on behalf of that person. Um, or perhaps you'll hear an audible voice. However, God wants to speak to you about that person, write it down. Maybe you need to gather some puzzle pieces. If he shows you a picture of them with a friend, maybe you need to have a conversation. How are things going with your friendship circle right now? Allow God to speak to you. Find out some information. I love to ask questions of the Holy Spirit in this part of it. God, what does this situation look like in heaven? What does this person look like in heaven? What if this situation would fall away and not even exist in the atmosphere of heaven? And then pray the gap between what the situation looks like now and what God reveals to you it would look like in heaven. And step three is you just knock and you keep on knocking. Now, how long do you pray for it in every any given session? I pray till I feel something shift. I pray until I just know that I've tapped into praying the right thing. And, you know, that might be until I pray a certain scripture and then all of a sudden I can I can sense I'm I'm praying what God wants me to pray right now. I've really locked into what this I'm agreeing with what is heaven's intention for this situation right now. And then I just keep on praying. Now, an easy way to help with gathering some puzzle pieces in step two is I keep a folder. Um, it's literally an old school fool's cap folder that's got divided tabs in it where I put scriptures about different things. So family, anxiety, hope grief, marriage, whatever the topic is that I feel like I'm praying for uh, several times. And whenever I'm reading the Bible, if I find a scripture about that topic, I just go to that tab and I insert it in there. So when I'm in step two, I've asked God and he says, hey, I want you to pray for an impartation of hope for this friend. Then I can go gather my puzzle pieces. I can get out my old school folder. I can look up my hope tab and I've got 30 scriptures right there that I can declare over the person, the sword of the spirit for them to receive hope. That's gathering puzzle pieces. And I just knock and I keep on knocking until I sense change in that situation. Now I may, that person may never know I'm praying for them. Other people may never know that I'm praying over a nation or a city or a region, but I'm telling you time and time and time again, I have seen incredible results to this. I'm going to finish by telling you a story. 
couple of years ago, I got to spend some time in Bangkok and I went on a prayer walk and I was there with a group of people from church and we broke up into the seven spheres or the seven mountains and we went and prayed over those seven areas in the city of Bangkok. And I ended up praying over the sphere of education. So I was in a university. Now that morning I was eating breakfast in my hotel And I felt the Lord say, go pick up the local newspaper. Now, I'd before I left my hotel room this morning, I'd asked, Holy Spirit, guide me as I go on this prayer walk today. Show me what to pray. I want to have my ears and my eyes open. So here I am. I'm expecting to hear from God while I'm eating breakfast. And he says, go get the local newspaper. I pick it up. The headline on the front page is about the seven mountains, about a woman in a Thai woman in Bangkok who had recently climbed the seven highest mountains in Bangkok. And she was a dentist by profession, but here she was on the front of the newspaper, had climbed, and the headline was like, a Thai woman first ever to climb seven highest mountains in the world. This was the headline was something like that. I tuck it in my journal put it in my backpack, head off to the university to pray. I'm walking around, I'm praying, I'm praying. I've got my newspaper there. I know I'm meant to be kind of praying for the seven mountains from the headline, but I'm not really sure what God wants to do. So I sit down and I'm like, Lord, I need a confirmation right now that I'm tapping into the right thing. Am I meant to be praying for the seven mountains? I just need some kind of confirmation. He's like, get the newspaper out again. So I fish it out of my backpack. I'm looking at it, reading about how she's a dentistry student. When all of these students in a big group come walking past me in the university, they end up stopping because I look different than them. And they're kind of like, hey, what are you doing here today? I said, actually, I'm here praying for Thailand. I'm here praying for Bangkok. And they were like, cool. I said, what are you guys doing here today? And they said, oh, we're actually the dentistry students here today for our orientation. So here I am holding in my hand a newspaper article about a dentist from Bangkok, Thailand, first woman to climb the seven mountains with a hundred or so dentistry students standing around me while I'm in the middle of the largest university in Bangkok. God was giving me my confirmation that indeed I was meant to walk around every main area and department that represented the seven mountains within that university. And as I began to walk and pray in the spirit, and gather my puzzle pieces and keep on knocking, I began to get a more clarified vision of the fact that God was going to raise up sons and daughters, Christian sons and daughters in that university who would ascend to the highest pinnacle of each of the seven mountains and influence it for God and for good. And so there we were praying over the university praying over the church, praying over the government, praying over the family. And God sends this incredible puzzle pieces pieces and confirmation and then plants my feet literally in the middle of the university where the next generation of the seven spheres is going to rise up. This is what it can look like to follow the Holy Spirit into prophetic intercession. It is awesome. Okay, I want to give you some references again, some books you can read. Christy Johnson's Releasing Prophetic Solutions, Benny Johnson's The Happy Intercessor. I really pray that this has been helpful for you guys today and that you get excited to just go and say, God, how can I partner with you today? It's the greatest partnership we could ever step into. It's a powerful place to be as a prophetic person, to understand we're powerful on our knees, not just chasing 
a platform and that even the authority we often see on those ministers we see on a platform, it came in their time on their knees when in the secret place they prayed prayers that maybe nobody else will ever know about. And God said, there's a heart and a life I can share my secrets with. Let's never underestimate the power of prophetic intercession. And I truly believe that we can shape cities and nations when we ask, what's your heart for this region? What's your heart for this family? We catch a revelation. We catch a glimpse at either of the ways we talked about receiving the revelation in our podcast last week. And then we declare it here on earth. God chooses to co-labor with us. And in doing so, as we knock and keep on knocking, we see his kingdom come to earth. It's the greatest partnership. Well, that wraps up. This first ever season of the Prophetic Collective. Here's what's going to happen from here. I'm going to take a couple of weeks off. I want to ask you to pray for me because I'm praying about, God, what do you want this to look like next? What is next? How can I serve? How can I love? How can I build your church? How can I give voice to what you're doing in my life and in the life of people around me in a way that could help other people? Would you pray for me that God would speak and God would make very clear what he wants to do next? I'm open to anything. And if you hear anything from God, I'd love to hear from you. I absolutely love hearing messages through other people as much as hearing God's voice myself. It may confirm something God's already speaking to me. So touch base with me on social media. I would value your prayers as I take a few weeks off. And I ask God, what's next? What do you want to do next in and through my life to serve and to love and to build your church? It's been such a joy and such an honor to do this journey with you. I look back to, I look forward to catching up with you all really, really soon. Much love, everybody. Stay cool.